welcome in to another edition of the College Football News Podcast. As always, I'm Nick Shepkowski. Brief one this evening, so you know, recording this on Friday night ahead of your College Football Saturday, Week 5, already upon us. And going to spend some time talking some Big Ten here very quickly. Steve Greenberg, we had promised the interview, the second part of the interview with him. If you listened to the episode earlier on this week, You heard us talk to Steve Greenberg from the Chicago Sun-Times about Wisconsin and kind of their growth as a program over the last 20, 25 years, going from being really just a complete cellar dweller in the Big Ten to being elite and where they may be able to go this year or in future years. We spent the second part of this interview with him looking at the Big Ten outlook as a whole and answering some questions about some of the surprises and some of the disappointments so far in Big Ten play. But just to go over the games here, so I can't really go over the Penn State and Maryland game. That's kicking off in just moments from when I'm talking to you right now. So take that for what it's worth. Um, We'll start with just the Saturday games, the early game on Saturday, uh, Northwestern, who has just looked awful and lost offensively so far this year. They go on the road to be one of the take on one of the bigger surprises in college football this year. The Wisconsin Badgers now ranked inside the top 10, number eight specifically as the Badgers, a 24 point favorite in that game. And I just don't see maybe it's one of those games at Wisconsin. It's all right. Uh, going to be slow to get out of bed and a little bit groggy week after Michigan and you have a bit of a letdown. I just don't see Northwestern from what I've seen from Hunter Johnson so far this year. He has played awful. He looks like he can't make a decision offensively, can't make a decision in the passing game there. And until Northwestern gets some threat of a passing game, there's not a lot to worry about for anyone out there against this Northwestern team. I think this is one that Wisconsin pretty much just sleepwalks through. I don't so much see it being the prettiest of contests for the Badgers, but I there's way too much talent, way too much physicality, something that usually you say about about Northwestern in terms of physicality defensively. I don't see that here early on in 2019. I mean, I'm liking Wisconsin's chances to uh to put some points on the board there. Uh, the team that Wisconsin beat the tar out of last week and embarrassed Nat last week and on national TV, Michigan, they get the old get right game at home this week against Rutgers, the one and two Scarlet Knights going to Ann Arbor, just what the doctor ordered for Michigan. Uh, they get the welcome of Rutgers team. That is the worst in the big 10. That's one and two on the year. I don't take anything from this game. It's Rutgers week, and it's one that uh, Michigan, if they're going to salvage this season, and what, what can you do to salvage this season? I mean, theoretically, they're still in the race for the Big Ten East. I think with the way they lost that game, they can run the table. They can win the Big Ten championship with one loss. But a 21-point defeat to a Big Ten team, I, I know Wisconsin's very good. I don't see that being enough. to. I, you'd have to have multiple teams lose multiple games in order for Michigan. I think their college football playoff chances are completely out the window because of how much of a domination that was against them. But I think it's the old traditional get-right game for Michigan this week. Iowa, Middle Tennessee, another game to look at there if it incites you, if you get excited about that one. God bless you. 
but the Hawkeyes, before things really get going tough slate Big Ten for them, they welcome Middle Tennessee and the Blue Raiders in a game that they should have no trouble controlling. There's some other Big Ten games this week that we'll uh, get a quick preview on, a quick quick mention of here coming up in just a couple of minutes. But as promised, Steve Greenberg, he joined Pete Futek and I on the College Football News podcast earlier this week. We, we ended up speaking for about 30 minutes or so in total together. We're all having fun together. So I'll share part two with you right now as this went on from Wisconsin to instead kind of the rest of the Big Ten and handicapping the rest of the league for this year, specifically the Big Ten West, which if you remember at the start of the year, the conversation was, wow, there might be one of six teams that could win this thing. It seems like Wisconsin separated themselves, but how much have they separated themselves by? We get into that. We get into everything Big Ten and Big Ten West here with Steve Greenberg of the Chicago Sun-Times. As Pete Futek, who you usually hear with me, greets him with a question about Northwestern football. No one has Northwestern PTSD more than I do, but that this team is bad. If if Wisconsin's the real deal, this is you, they just slam dunk this team. This is just not a good. They cannot throw the ball. They have no offense whatsoever, and, and there's just nothing there in the West other than maybe Iowa. Iowa's got kind of that the lines. They've got the the veteran quarterback. That's the team that I think could trip them up. But obviously Ohio State, obviously Michigan State's a problem. There is is a tough schedule going forward. Uh, it, but that's going to be the fun part about this is because well, Wisconsin's got the nasty teams from the East. Watch out for Minnesota. I know they've been bad over the first three weeks, but they don't play those tough teams from these. I think the Gophers are going to kind of build and build and build, and I'm, I'm sticking with my preseason call that the Paul Bunyan X game is going to end up being for the Big Ten West. Oh, that would be fun. That would be fun. And by the way, I was just in uh, in Minneapolis. I, I, I just happened to pick up a uh, – White Sox series, our beat writer out of the country. I just jumped in for him, and uh, I've been there for baseball several times. But that football stadium that the Gophers play in is an awesome venue. It's so slick. I know it's brutal in the cold. I love that stadium. The Vikings played there, for obviously, for a couple seasons. All the facilities up in Minneapolis, pro and college, I just think it's the best. It's the best, it's the best stadium city in the country, um, put it out there. I know it's completely irrelevant to what we're talking about, but it had to be said. And it can't be. I grew <laughs> up there, I, so I I know the whole Minnesota program, and it is just so they've never ever been able to recruit there and get those. That's why you have to have that kind of Wisconsin like you know thing. You have to have that one identity. And I've always been waiting. Even Purdue, for example, would have the basketball and grass under Joe Tiller for a while there. Michigan State's turned into defense under Mark D'Antonio. You, you have all these other Big Ten schools with their niche. And I, I keep waiting for Wisconsin, or I'm sorry, Minnesota to find that. And I don't know if P.J. Flex got it, but that, that's a team that seems to be really close to turning a corner to being a, corner to be a real thorn in everyone's side in that division. I agree. And the same could be said of Purdue. It doesn't have, to me, the appeal for recruiting that a, a really cool town like Minneapolis has, but the uh, uh, investment they've made in facilities is big time. I mean big time, and they've got a really good coach too. So uh, those two programs, to me, you know, if you're Northwestern, you're you're in, you're in danger of being uh, sort of pushed back uh, uh, a little bit out of uh, relevance for a while. Uh, and Wisconsin's going to have to up its game to, to, of course, to stay 
uh, above your Minnesotas and your your Purdue. And Illinois, of course. Yeah, Illinois. Oh, yeah, the Illinois thing. It's The team that they actually fell to this week, I want to ask you guys about. When we're talking Big Ten West, it was Nebraska was the preseason. I, there was not enough kind words possibly said. Oh, my goodness. It was like Scott Frost is going to turn this thing into UCF overnight, and they're going to be undefeated, and they're going to be playing in the playoff. What's your impressions of year two of the Scott Frost thing a month in? You know, I'd, I'd have to look back to be sure. I don't want to give myself more credit than I deserve, but I think I might have picked Nebraska fourth in the West this year. And 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 it, because it's not UCS, you know, you don't go from four and eight. Now, they were really good the second half of last year. They, they played everybody tight, Ohio State, everybody. So clearly there was a culture change happening. Uh, but it, it takes longer than that to change your talent, uh, to change your – you know, you're, I mean, we could not to take everything back to Wisconsin, but the real shift, the first shift at Wisconsin under Alvarez was culture, and it was real. It was big. But then they got strong as hell in the weight room. That took, that took a few years. It's going to take that time at Nebraska. It's been a soft, soft program, soft defensively, soft in pass protection up front, and uh and, and, and it's, it's, there's been zero mystery as to why they've just gotten rolled at time by teams. But I do think the, the score against Illinois was misleading, 42 to 38. Look at the yardage numbers. I think it's like 605 to 299. It, it, was, it was not exactly nip and tuck. I mean, they came back from down 14 three or four different times. So they, they played poorly. They dug a hole. Uh, but they climbed out of it, and I think it's a big deal that they did. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's an important win for that program. That and, and the Huskers have every big game at home uh, this year. They play Ohio State. I'm going to dare mention Northwestern again because it's the defending division champ. Wisconsin, Iowa, all in Lincoln. So uh, you get your 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 signature, you know, win or two in there. That's also things you you hang your hat on as a program and and use uh, to build into the next offseason. But this team's not going to win that division, I, I don't think. I don't think it, it, it doesn't make sense for it to happen that fast. It ought not happen that fast, and so I, I certainly don't expect it. But I do expect, uh, you know, you flip your, your four and eight to something like eight and four, and now you're cooking. Here's the thing. It, even UCF wasn't UCF. I'm going to throw this fun stat at you, Mr. Greenberg. Since UCF became a program at the FBS level in, the, in 1996, how many regular season wins over Power 5 teams do you think UCF has had? Not including the bowl? Not including the bowl. They've had three bowl wins over Power 5 teams. But just how many regular season wins over the last, whatever, uh, 25 years or so? 25 years. Uh, five. Exactly. Seven. UCF isn't really exact. So, so it's an unrealistic expectation to think that Nebraska, like you said, overnight was going to turn this into something flashy and amazing. It's not to say Scott Frost can't do it, but it's not going to be as easy. You don't just get these guys and ask Michigan. You don't just get the superstar head coach and assume, okay, now this is going to, the switch is going to be flipped right now. Right, and you're not a and, and, and you're not a superstar coach uh, relative to the other superstar coaches in college football because of 
that one turnaround at UCF, right? I mean, that's a huge deal, but it's, it, but it's comparable to what P.J. Fleck did at Western Michigan. Or at sure. least it's, in, it's, it's more like that than it is like what Nick Saban does. Uh, and, and Fleck has had to have his growing pains, uh, paying his dues at Minnesota, you know, no doubt about it. Last year, that was an all-different type of experience for him getting his butt kicked. And uh, it's almost happened this year. But, yeah, it takes more time than that. You're right. He's Steve Greenberg from the Chicago Sun-Times on that point with the team that Wisconsin did beat up on this week. What's the impressions of Michigan? Obviously, the college football playoff pretty much completely out of the window now. What's, how does Harbaugh pick up the pieces? How does Shea Patterson and company pick up the pieces and salvage what's left of the season after that disaster? Uh, who, who's Michigan's fifth-string quarterback? Because I feel like we're going to get to him, whoever it is. That hit McCaffrey took against Wisconsin scared the hell out of me. I'll be honest. When I first saw it, I, I thought, oh, my God, you know, he's badly injured. I don't and, and and so hopefully it's not uh, like that. But Shea Patterson as well, you know, they, they, they need to protect themselves. And maybe Harbaugh needs to learn to, I don't know, I, I, not to, I'm not sure he does this, but I wonder if he doesn't just sort of glorify the, the element of toughness at the position. And so, boy, I mean, there's no notion of just protecting their key guys. Uh, at that position, you look back at Michigan going back. Every quarterback who plays there gets hurt. Um, I like Patterson. I mean, you put him on the run. He's such a good thrower, you know, which is why I think he play in the NFL. You, you, you saw it against Wisconsin, albeit in the fourth quarter. Once he gets on the move, he's really good at keeping his eyes downfield. He's got a great arm and all that. But, but talk about soft. I mean, that defense at Michigan has no uh, backbone. And um, that's a huge problem. I don't know when it started, but needless to say, we saw you know a a hideous display of defense by by the Wolverines against Ohio State uh, going back. And and so yeah, I mean this is no elite team, and there's it's year five for Harbaugh. I would have predicted that by year five, he would have beaten Ohio State at least twice. Um, and been in the playoff. Then again, I think everybody sort of looked at it like that. By the end of the season, he's not going to beat Ohio State. They're certainly not going to be in the playoff. Uh, it's just a, a, a huge disappointment to date what he's done there. I, I don't see the signs of growth. It's crazy. I've bored the hell out of Shep with this staff over the summer and over the time we've done this. There's only six Power 5 head coaches who have won more games since Harbaugh has taken over. And I am with you. The, the argument is that, yeah, he can't win the big games. He's won a lot of little ones, though. I mean, three 10-win seasons in four years. It's It just it gets glossed over. If it's not Harbaugh, what's it going to be? And to this, the point of this game, the problem and the thing was so galling to the Michigan people were, where you just got beaten up. There's no physical. I'm not going to use the word physicality, but I just did. There's nothing there against a Wisconsin team that just came out and imposed its will. And now you've got this mishmashy offense. It's is it spread? Is it hurry up? Is it Texas Tech? Is it? It just they don't have any running backs, and they didn't get the passing game going, and nothing worked. It just 
just is just this offense. It's just there. Nothing's there. Nothing's right. there's no again. We go back to identity. There's no positive identity with this offense. That's true. And and Har- and Harbaugh has uh, he's got a new offensive coordinator. He's he's going out of the shotgun. Uh, whatever identity Michigan might have had in the Stanford vein, in the Harbaugh vein, in the pro style vein, it has been you know has been uh, surrendered. And and some say good. That had to happen. You know, the, the caveman ball doesn't work anymore, but others would disagree. Um, but, yes, where is there, you know, Mike Hart? Where is a, a, a great Michigan running back who, who, you know, can hold up the banner of that program in a fitting way? You, you always have receivers who are athletes there, but there are just key pieces missing, and it's really odd. And the thing I noticed most of all against Wisconsin that was amazing to me, because you play a MAC team, you're going to get hit in the backfield a few times. You're going to, you're going to have a few carries where you lose a yard or two. I, I was watching. I don't remember. Maybe it happened in the fourth quarter, but, but every single first bit of contact was past the line of scrimmage. I mean, they're just getting – blown off the ball by a young Wisconsin offensive line, no less. So uh, even just a year or two ago, last year, didn't they have stars on the defensive line at Michigan? Are they all gone? And, you know, talk about you, you think of a top program, you don't, uh, you, you reload. I mean, was there nothing with which to reload? And if that's the case, how is that possible? You know, uh, where's the recruiting? I, I feel like the rankings have been, you know, have been good. I'm not a recruit Nick and I don't really buy the rankings because you never know what you got until a kid is on campus, a young person, how he's going to respond. Player development's a bigger deal, but that doesn't seem to be happening either. It's, It's puzzling. Steve, that was excellent stuff. Appreciate you taking the time, talking some Big Ten, talking some Wisconsin football, and uh, I don't know, myself pulling up a chair, listening to you talk about the, I'd call them the good old days at the University of Wisconsin, but the records and your stories of charging the field for just kicking a field goal would indicate they were anything but. (laughs) All right, man. Good to be on with you guys. So I hope you enjoyed that. Steve Greenberg, again, of the Chicago Sun-Times, kind enough to join us here on the College Football News Podcast. If you missed part one of our interview with him, that's available in the episode that aired earlier this week, still available for download. It's Nick Shepkowski with you, College Football News Podcast, ahead of week number five, college football-wise. Let's make this a little Big Ten specific in what's going to happen this week and kind of games to watch and things to keep an eye on. Going through the Big Ten games, went through about half of them there at the start. Before Steve Greenberg, we'll go through the back half of games as well. Here, one that we didn't mention yet, I think compelling as hell. Uh, I think in terms of coming down to the final minutes of a game and closeness of a game, this is the one that sticks out to me more than any. And it's two teams that are at very different points of their years. Purdue at 1-2 and welcoming Minnesota in this week. Minnesota, it's like escape with a win in any way possible in their first three games so far this year. They've been able to do that. Um, starting 3-0 and on the year. They take a road trip to Purdue, and Purdue has had all the troubles in the world to get things going this year. Uh, quarterback play has left a lot to be desired. Running play has left a lot to be desired. Hell, even, even old reliable himself, Rondell Moore, had, what, all of 25 total yards last week? That's a guy that you can't have that go on with. That's an absolute playmaker, and you got to get the ball in his hands some way, some shape or form. 
I don't think that uh, Coach Brom doesn't think that way. I just think that teams are looking at that right now and said, all right, take away Rondell Moore, and the Boilermakers aren't going to move the ball. With that said, I going on the road, first conference road game of the year for Minnesota, first conference game as a whole for Minnesota, Purdue, they haven't looked good necessarily at home, especially that game against uh, TCU just a couple weeks back where they could not move the ball to save their lives whatsoever, and then TCU goes out and they give up a ton of points to Southern Methodist. SMU putting up a 40 spot on them last week on TCU's home turf. So was TCU's defense traditionally pretty good? Is it that good against Purdue, or is Purdue's offense that bad? I'm starting to think Purdue's offense is that bad, and I like Minnesota in this game. Most places you're seeing it right now, Minnesota, a very slight favorite, a point, a point and a half is kind of where that sits. And I just don't think that Purdue has the dogs to keep up in this one. I I really don't. In Minnesota, I know Steve spoke about it there a little bit. Him and Pete got into it a little bit that Minnesota's a team that's trying to make that identity of kind of being like Wisconsin light and just loading up their line of scrimmage and march the ball that way. And that's where you're kind of going right there. I like Minnesota in that game on the road, and I don't think that it comes down to the last seconds like it seemingly has in weeks one through three or games one through three for them so far this year. Michigan State at home this week, a two-touchdown pick against the Indiana Hoosiers. I don't – I like Michigan State. Their defense is fantastic. Their defense, I think, is as good as any that's there in the Big Ten, damn near any in the entire country, but – I look at this game, and I think Indiana's going to give Michigan State a little bit more of a fit than than they're kind of getting credit for. I know the Hoosiers and their only real competition they've played this year and against Ohio State got absolutely blasted. I know traditionally Indiana's not gone on the road and played well whatsoever at Michigan State. Uh, Sparty 7-0, their last seven against the number at home, at least against Indiana. I... I do think that Indiana has an offense that's significantly better than Northwestern's. I think it gives them a couple of chances to score, at least in this game. And I know Indiana's defense is awful. At least Ohio State's probably going to make most teams' defenses look awful. But I like them to get enough stops to kind of keep this a contest. I don't know if they threaten to win it late, but I like Indiana keeping this thing close in the old, old brass spittoon. And then finally, the nightcap for Big Ten play this week, Ohio State 4-0, sitting at number five in the country. College game day is going to be there. I think that tells you kind of the state of uh, college football this week, that if there's one one weekend where, hey, kind of get out of the house and do some chores and you're not going to miss a whole heck of a lot of great football or great games, this is probably one of those weeks. And I think that's highlighted by the fact that Ohio State, you know, Ohio State's a great team this year, and Justin Fields has been nothing short of awesome. But them going to take on a Nebraska team, that's your marquee event if you're ABC, if you're college football on ESPN that you want to go and highlight. All right, fair enough. Uh, Ohio State should roll in this game. Nebraska's offense has played a little bit better here of late uh, since that second-half collapse against Colorado. But slowing down Ohio State, I don't know someone in the Big Ten. Michigan State is going to be an interesting team to see how they match up against them in a few weeks here coming up. But I don't see Ohio State's offense being slowed down in Big Ten play this year. That's kind of how I see the Big Ten going this week. The other big games of the week, I suppose, Notre Dame and Virginia. I've been on the record here, whether it's on Twitter at Shep670 or anywhere else for that matter. Just kind of saying that I look at this and to me... That's a game that Notre Dame, especially if the weather is going to be as sloppy as the reports are, 
that to me, it's just kind of survive in advance if you're Notre Dame, stay alive for another week because I think that Virginia has the makings with a solid pass rush, with a solid mobile running quarterback that's been known to make big plays after big plays. I think that that is a team that's going to give them all kinds of fits, and especially if it's a lower-scoring game, if it's that, in fact, because of the sloppy track, that plays into the favor of the Virginia Cavaliers. Hey, do you like a little action on your games you're watching? Would you rather donate to a great cause as well than to your bookie? If so, go check out scoresplit.com. At Scoresplit, you can join a square pool or get a strip card for whatever game it is that you're watching, all while benefiting your favorite local or national nonprofit group. Here's how it all works. You pick a square, just like your traditional squares for football games, and if the score matches up, you split the pot with the very thankful organization. It's as easy as that. Here's the best part. Sign up for score split using the promo code CFN, and they'll set you up with a $10 to get the fun started. Visit scoresplit.com or download the score split app from the App Store or Google Play today. Score split, you can't win if you don't play. Enjoy week five. Thank you again for listening to the College Football News Podcast. If you have not yet subscribed, if you have not yet left a review, if you've not let yet left, left a rating, go ahead and do all of those. And maybe most importantly, if you've got a buddy who's a college football fan that's not yet heard of this podcast and you like what you hear, throw it out there. Tell them, hey, check out the College Football News Podcast. It's Nick Shepkowski and Pete Futek bringing you a couple of these episodes each and every week. And we'll be sure to be wrapping up week number five in college football here in just a couple of days. Enjoy the games. We'll talk next week. Bye.